Welcome to the Living Rock Podcast. Well, good morning. It's great to be here. <laughs> Every time I've come here this year, there's been more people here. And um, this morning, we apparently have invited everyone over 60, but I, I think some people have got here under false pretenses. <laughs> But I, I was always taught in my sales training to get the crowd on your side, so. <laughs> and this morning I have the, the privilege of continuing our journey through Numbers, from Numbers 33. And this morning I want to talk about going the distance, about remembering Israel's journey. And I love a journey. I love travel. I think that's the thing that I've missed the most in the last 14 months. I love TV shows about travel. I love TV shows about journeys, both factual and fictional. Um, I love watching things like Michael Palin. Um, you know I like Star Trek, so Voyager is definitely my best Star Trek genre. And I remember as a child watching Homeward Bound about two dogs and a cat that had to travel halfway across America. I love reading autobiographies about people's journey through life. And the Bible is full of journeys. And I think possibly the greatest journey we find through Exodus and the children of Israel wandering through the wilderness. But journeys with God always have a destination and they always have a purpose. And so if you could turn your Bibles to Numbers 33, a section of scripture that we often avoid because of all those difficult names but pray for me. <laughs> this is the route the Israelites followed as they marched out of Egypt under the leadership of Moses and Aaron. At the Lord's direction, Moses kept a written record of their progress. These are the stages of their march, identified by the different places where they stopped along the way. They set out from the city of Ramesses in early spring on the 15th day of the first month on the morning after the first Passover celebration. The people of Israel left defiantly in full view of the Egyptians. Meanwhile, the Egyptians were burying all their firstborn sons whom the Lord had killed the night before. The Lord had defeated the gods of Egypt that night with great acts of judgment. After leaving Ramesses, the Israelites set up camp at Sukkoth. They left Sukkoth and camped at Etham on the edge of the wilderness. They left Etham and turned back towards pi Hathiroth, opposite Baal-Zephon, and camped near Migdol. They left pi Hathiroth and crossed the Red Sea into the wilderness beyond, and they travelled for three days into the Etham wilderness and camped at Marah. They left Mara and camped at Elim, where there were 12 springs and 70 palm trees. They left Elim and camped beside the Red Sea. They left the Red Sea and camped in the wilderness of Sin. They left the wilderness of Sin and camped at Dopka. They left Dopka and camped at Arlush. They left Arlush and camped at Rephidim, where there was, water, there was no water for the people to drink. They left Rephidim and camped in the wilderness of Sinai. They left the wilderness of Sinai and camped at Kibroth Hattiva. They, they left Kibroth Hattiva and camped at Hazaroth. They left Hazaroth and camped at Ritmar. 
They left Ritmar and camped at Rimen Perez. They left Rimen Perez and camped at Libna. They left Libna and camped at Risha. They left Risha and camped at Kilihare. They left Kehiliara and camped at Mount Sifa. They left Mount Sifa and camped at Harada. They left Harada and camped at Makaloth. They left Makaloth and camped at Tarahath. They left Tarhath, sorry, and camped at Tira. They left Tira and camped at Mithka. They left Mithka and camped at Hashmana. They left Hashmana and camped at Stony Stanton, Market Harbour, Colville, Tamworth, and all the towns and villages to the ends of the earth, including Kenya. It's a section of scripture that we avoid because it's so full of unpronounceable names. And to be honest, if I got most of them wrong, you wouldn't have known anyway. But why did they record all those stops? Because as I look through scripture, many of them are never mentioned before and they're never mentioned afterwards. There wasn't significant things that happened at those stages. But verse tells us that at the Lord's direction, Moses had to keep a written record. He had to keep a written record to record all the stages of the journey to promised land. Paul in his letter to Timothy in Timothy uh, to, to second book of Timothy 3.16 he says that all scripture all scripture is inspired by God it is useful to teach us what is true and to make us realise what is wrong in our lives it corrects us when we're wrong and teaches what to, to do what is right that's all the boring bits all the difficult bits nothing can be discounted or ignored because everything and every part of scripture is applicable to our lives in some way I still use a paper diary, much to the amusement of my fellow elders, but I'm not going to name any names. (laughs) But I like a paper diary because it gives me a sense of time. It demonstrates a sense of journey. And I've saved my diaries for many years, going back into the early 80s. And at Christmas, when we put all the decorations away, one of my rituals is to put last year's diary back in the loft in a very large box. And often I will be found with my legs dangling out of the hatch, uh, flicking through a diary from the 80s or the 90s. And it's interesting because the diary is full of triumphs and successes. It's full of sad days. It sometimes records tragedies. But there are many days that are just normal days. Just days where we were keeping on, keeping on. And every day in the wilderness was not signs and wonders. It wasn't all clouds of, uh, clouds of uh, smoke or pillars of fire. It wasn't all golden calves, gushing water, coming out of rocks and the ground swallowing folk up. Do you remember the, the Christmas bulletin that families used to send out? Every Christmas, there were certain families in the church that would send us an A4 sheet of their family's progress through the year. And I would read it and I would think, what wonderful, exciting, joyous-filled lives these people have. So much triumph and success. And it would usually be finished with a picture at the bottom of the whole family together in some beautiful sun-kissed location. And I would think, my life is so boring. 
The whole A4 sheet was full of the highlights. It didn't record the dull days, the tragedy, the humdrum days when nothing much happened. And I suppose today we would call that the Facebook culture. And yet, here in the Word of God, Moses recorded and was commanded to record every stage of the journey. And I have to ask the question, why? And it's simply this, because God is with us at every stage of the journey. God is with us at every stage of the journey. Wherever you are at this moment with God, he is with you. He is with you as we go the distance. Whether you feel far or near from God this morning, whether you, found lo- whether you feel lost or found, whether life is good, whether life is hard, whether you don't believe it or, or you do believe what I'm saying, God is with you. God is with you. Whatever stage, whatever point, however you feel, God is with you this morning. He is with us on the trip to school. He is with us on the journey to work. He is with us at work. He's with us at school, at college, at university. He's with us during the housework, in the supermarket, bringing up the children, changing nappies. You see, God isn't interested in only the best bits of our lives. He doesn't show up when it's exciting or momentous. He's with us at every single part of the journey. Because if we're honest, life isn't all miracles, Sunday mornings, momentum weekends and Bible weeks. There are challenges. There are things we have to endure. And I know that to be true because in Romans 5.4 it says that endurance develops strength of character. And character strengthens our confident hope in salvation. You know, sometimes there is endurance in our lives. But we see all through scripture the heroes of faith, like Abraham, that were rooted in a word of promise. You will have a son, and your descendants will be greater than the grains of sand on the seashore. So there are challenges ahead. But God is with us. And if you forget everything else I've said this morning and everything else I'm going to say, remember this, that God is with you. In verse 3, it says that they set out from the city of Ramesses in early spring on the 15th day of the first month on the morning after the first Passover celebration. The people of Israel left defiantly in full view of all the Egyptians. They left defiantly. The King James says that they left boldly. And when we were saved, we began this journey. We began to go the distance. We are freed from the kingdom of darkness. And I know that we we are all on a journey to Christ. But I know that we're now on a new destination. You see, we've escaped. We've been set free. We're on a new journey. We have left Egypt. And we're already in the promised land, moving more and more into the promises of God. We've already already left. We're already in the promised land. Yes, it's called the kingdom of God. And Jesus wants us to go on. Because he's got so much for us to do. In 2 Corinthians 2.18 it says, 
So all of us who have had the veil removed can see and reflect the glory of the Lord and the Lord who is spirit makes us more and more like him as we are changed into his glorious image. And that's the purpose of the journey, to become more like him. To become more like him. The King James says that he wants us to go from glory to glory. We are new creations. We've changed into something new, becoming more and more like Jesus. And yes, folks, that is possible. It would be remiss of me not to read 2 Corinthians 5.17, which is probably my favorite verse in all the Bible. And you can only read it in the King James. And it says, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. You see, Jesus didn't save us quietly, secretly, apologetically, or in a shadow. He saved us defiantly, and boldly, and triumphantly, and proudly, in full view of the kingdoms of this world. He saved us from Egypt, from the power of sin and darkness. We've been transformed because of the power of God within us and available to us. You know, you don't need to have a drug-filled, crime-ridden life for your salvation to mean something. Ask anyone who's had one, and they wouldn't wish it on anybody. (laughs) My life before Christ wasn't alcohol-filled, drug-dependent, and full of crime. But I did recognize the need for Christ. And when I knelt down and prayed that prayer, something changed in my life. I was put on a journey. I was on a track. I was following Christ. And this morning, God wants you to know that he has done something truly wonderful in your life because he saved you in full view of the powers of darkness. And we should have a sense of pride. We should walk around with our heads held high. We should boast because Paul said you can boast. He said it three times in the New Testament, so I'll go with that. But yes, Stephen, my life right now isn't like that. It's a bit of a struggle. You see, they left Sukkoth and camped to Etham on the edge of the wilderness, and they stood on the edge of a desert. What's ahead? This could be difficult. And it appears that they searched for water for three days, and they arrived at a place called Mara, which is recorded in Exodus 15. And it says in Exodus 15 that they came to the oasis at Mara, and the water was too bitter to drink. So they called the place Mara, which means bitter. And then the people complained and turned against Moses. What are we going to drink? They demanded. So Moses cried out to the Lord for help, and the Lord showed him a piece of wood, and Moses threw it into the water, and it made the water good to drink. And on our journey, life does throw up bitter phases tough times, hard times. And I've often heard people say, well, I thought when I got saved, I would live in this season of continual blessing. What's gone wrong? But whatever the experience, God is with us at every stage. Sometimes it isn't all blessing, but it's life. But God is with us and he will provide. 
Because in verse 9, they left Mara and they camped at Elim. And there was 12 springs of water and 70 palm trees. And God provided what they needed and they were refreshed. So what's the key to being refreshed? Well, for those of you who know me, I travel a lot. And when you go on a long journey, there are three things that I must have in my car. One is a drink. One is something to eat. And one is something to communicate with. And we, in, we're in a world now full of communication. Years ago when I used to go to work, I'd go into London, and on the way out of London, I'd go to a service station called Scratchwood Services. Remember Scratchwood Services? It's called London Gateway now. And there were 200 phone boxes at Scratchwood Services. And all these salesmen would pull up in their Sierras and Cavaliers, and they would all pile into these phone boxes. I stopped there the other week, and there's one phone box now, because everybody has a mobile phone. And the other day, we ran out of milk, and I, I drove down to Tesco's to get some milk, and it's only five minutes in the car, and I got to the bottom of Ashley Way, and I thought, I haven't got my phone. <laughs> what happens if somebody needs me? And it's, it's so silly, because we need to have communication all the time. But when we go on a journey with God, we need to have food with us all the time. We need to have the, the food of his word to feed us full of precious promises. We need to go out with the water of his spirit, a drink of his spirit to refresh us. And we need to be those who communicate with the Father regularly with prayer. You see, God doesn't want the circumstances to over, overwhelm us because he can deliver us into Elim. But more than that, he wants us to live in Elim. On our journey, he wants us to live and be in a place of refreshing all the time. You see, life can be, life can be difficult, but God... I just feel God this morning wants us to put ourselves in a place of refreshing all the time when we're on the journey. I talked a couple of weeks ago about putting ourselves in danger, in dangerous situations. But God wants us this morning to put ourselves in a refreshing situation so that our journey and our journeying is consistent, that we're always communing with him. Because if we're honest... Life isn't all Sunday mornings, Bible weeks, and momentum weekends. It is often routine. But God is with us at every stage. God isn't there just in the meeting and the ministry. He's with us in the routine. He's with us when we get up early to beat the traffic. He's with us going to work, going to bed, getting up early, getting the kids ready, changing nappies, doing the school run, cleaning the house, making meals. Because God wants to be with us at every stage. He wants to be part of every aspect of our lives. The first scripture that I ever learned was 1 Peter 5, 7, which says, cast all your cares upon the Lord because he cares for you. And nothing in our life is too small for God. You know, often we talk about this almighty God, the creator of heaven and earth, 
who, holds, who created the world by the power of his word and holds it all together by the power of his word. And that's all true. And But often we think, well, if that's true, then why would we be interested in my little problems? But the wonderful thing is, because he's the mighty God, he isn't too busy. Phil mentioned the other week about the elders being too busy. Well, God isn't too busy. He certainly isn't too busy. He cares for us at every stage, every point of the journey, as we go the distance. To give you a practical example of that, over the years, I believe that I allow God to permeate and to, and to share with him everything that's going on in my life. But the one thing that I couldn't let God into was work. And I don't know why. I would go to work, I would do my job, I would struggle through different situations, and I would never feel that I should talk to God about it. It was always a struggle. It wasn't until it got to crisis point that I suddenly said, oh Lord, I need to pray to you about this. But over the years, I've learned and I've trained myself to bring God into every situation, particularly at work, which has been quite helpful this year. And every aspect, everything that comes against me, everything that challenges me, I just talk to the Lord about it. It's not a big prayer, but I just say, Lord, what do we do about this? I'm really worried about this. This is, this is going to be a problem. What? Just give me some help on this. Open a way here. Change that man's mind. Alter that attitude. And it's when we invite God into every single aspect of our lives, when we communicate with him, it makes the journey so much easier. In verse 17, it says that they left Kibroth Hativa and camped at Hazaroth. They left Hazaroth and they camped at Ritmar. Now at Hazaroth, something did happen. We haven't got time to go through it now, but in Numbers 12, Aaron and Miriam spoke against Moses and Miriam's skin became leprous white. And yet it isn't recorded here. It isn't inserted between verses 17 and 18. Why? Because God doesn't record and keep a record of our failures. Failure with God isn't fatal. I'm so glad about that. But for many of us on our journey, we can set up a memory or an experience in our lives that's become a rock on a chain tied around our waist. It becomes something that slows us down. It even stops us going forward with God. And this morning, I just want to challenge folk and say, don't settle at Hazaroth. Don't settle at Hazaroth. It can be a past sin. It can be a current sin, a reoccurring sin. It could be something that's happened to you that's caused you to have anger and resentment and disappointment and fear. We stop, we reflect, we turn around and we don't go forwards. We know we need to change, our desire is to change. There's something deep within us, but we cannot. Well, the good news is that God wants us to go forwards this morning, to go the distance and complete the journey. Because the cross of Christ over our lives can heal any memory, it can destroy any past sin that holds us back. His cross is bigger than any sin or past event or situation. 
because God is calling us to go on. We've crossed the river into the promised land, into the promises of God, to live in the kingdom of God. And the only time we should ever look back is to see how far we've come. I loved it a few weeks ago when Phil gave that, put that picture up on the screen looking over the valley. But he wasn't looking back, he was looking forwards. And if you remember on the picture, there was a, like a plaque and it was saying that Galilee is over there, Bethlehem's over there, Jordan's over there. And that's where God wants to take us this morning. Phil said, don't settle for less, come higher and admire the view. See what he's done and take on a new perspective because God has a perfect plan for every one of us this morning. He wants everyone in this room and within the sound of my voice, he wants to give you a sense of purpose and a sense of vision, a sense of destiny for your life, a sense of this is where I'm gonna go to because he loves us and he's with us. And we must not deny the power of the cross in our lives and the power of the Holy Spirit within us because God is much bigger and mightier than any of our missteps because his love can cover all of our sins. You know, if we think of the worst thing that we've ever done, the thing that haunts us every time we want to move out in God, and that might just be me, I don't know, but Jesus says this to us this morning, I've forgiven you. In fact, I choose to remember it no more because my blood and my grace is sufficient. And I know that to be true because in 1 John 1, 9, it says that if we confess our sins to him, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Failure isn't fatal, folks. There is a way back to get on track, to go the distance. Because the past is history. And if we live in the past, then we will be history. Paul puts it so well to the Philippians. He says, no, dear brothers and sisters, I have not achieved this, but I focus on one thing, forgetting the past and looking forward to what lies ahead. I press on to reach the end of the race and receive the heavenly prize for which God, through Jesus Christ, is calling us. That's such a great verse. I love that verse. God wants us to go the distance, to come into all that he has for us. I watched a film the other week, and um, since uh, having granddaughters, I have to watch a lot of Disney films. <laughs> and I watched a Disney film called Hercules, which is not one of Disney's better films, but it's about Hercules. And um, Hercules, he didn't know it <clears throat> at the start of the film, but he was the son of a god with all the attributes that that brings. But he didn't know that. And he always felt that something was missing from his life, that he didn't belong in the situation that he found himself, that somehow he should be somewhere else. And at the beginning of the movie, while staring at the stars, he sings a song, which I'm not gonna to sing to you, but I will read you the words because, and the thing that blessed me about this song was I'd almost finished my notes and I, and I heard this song and I just thought this song just encapsulates what I'm trying to say. 
And he sings this song and he says, I've often dreamed of a far off place where a hero's welcome would be waiting for me, where the crowds would cheer when they see my face and a voice keeps saying, this is where I'm meant to be. I'll be there someday. I can go the distance. I'll find my way if I can be strong. I know every mile would be worth my while. When I go the distance, I'll be right where I belong. Down an unknown road to embrace my fate, though the road may wander, it will lead me to you. And a thousand years would be worth the wait. It might take a lifetime, but somehow I'll see it through. I won't look back, I'll go the distance. I'll stay on track. No, I won't accept defeat. It's an uphill slope, but I won't lose hope till I go the distance and my journey is complete. And unlike Hercules, we know, we know that we are a son and daughter of God. Unlike Hercules, we know all the attributes that the Holy Spirit brings to us. Unlike Hercules, we know that we can come to a place where nothing is missing from our lives, a life of constant refreshing. And we know that whatever the situation we find ourselves in, God wants us to continue the race and go the distance. This morning, God wants us to know that he is with us at every stage of our journey. He wants us to know that he saved us boldly and defiantly, triumphantly, irrespective of how we arrived at that decision and the events surrounding it. He wants us to know that even during the difficult and challenging and hard times, God is still there with provision and refreshing. He wants us to know that we should allow God to penetrate and fill every facet of our lives and to know that failure is not fatal it will not take us out of the race it's time to press on folks it's time to go the distance you may have not started the journey yet this may all be new to you and if that's true I would love to talk to you I would love to share with you about my journey and Join, and you join me on this great journey of salvation. To carry on the journey, to go the distance, not to settle, but to come into all that God has for us. Amen. Amen. Thanks for joining us today. Search for us online and get information about upcoming events and more great teaching.